from Neil Fraser. He's asked, is it too early for the, the percentage chance of winning the league question? No, it's not. Um, he is currently at 97%. He's given Thistle a 97% chance of winning the league. Uh, David, any advance on 97%? It doesn't matter if we are 21 points clear or in ninth. I am 66% confident that we will win the, the championship. It, it is the rule. No matter how confident I am, the answer is 66%. Lawless turns away from Bannon, left footed cross, trapping up Brian Graham, header straight at oh. the goalkeeper. <laughs> you cannot ask that question on match day one, but see the thing is, everybody I've spoke to since Saturday, I've been telling them how we're going to win the league, and I'm so confident, 70% confident. Jesus match Christ. day one, I'm happy with 70% <laughs> we're going to win the league. Here is Thomas, plays it short. Murray on to Savory, great play, and that's the opening goal. Queen's Park have it, a well-worked free kick. I'd have probably said 50% before the Dundee game, but go on, David, I'll join you in 66. <laughs> this is wild, man. Boateng, lovely ball through the lines. Tommy Robson drills it across and finds the back of the net. 2-1 to Queen's Park, just as Thistle had got back in this game. Queen's Park go back in front, and it's the former Jack who gets the goal. <laughs> I, I need to bring this back down. I'll, I'll be the sensible one, but I'll still say 50 I give us a, a 50% chance of winning the league. Davidson then flicked back towards goal and Murray pokes in. That's 3-1. This will not dealing with that well at all. I love how positive you guys were last week about the fact we're going to win the league. Is that positivity still there? Um, David's not here, so probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Saturday's disappointing defeat at Stenhouse Muir against Queen's Park, Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Like you said, very disappointing defeat yesterday and quite a bit to discuss. We sure do. Rhys Haldane, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad either. Uh, as I say, I was part of the, the 70% club just last week, maybe two weeks ago. But you know, after our first defeat of the season and people hitting it with the club are in free ball and we should be having a lot to discuss. <laughs> we'll come back around a bit later on for your, for your updated percentages. And making our first appearance on the podcast this season, Heather Holloway. Heather, how are you? Uh, Honoured to be back. Thank you, Matt. And yeah, good to be here. Lots to discuss. Uh, a little bit despondent yesterday, but I think um, we have to remember it's right at the start of the season and there's lots lots of football to be played. There is. And, and importantly, that's you back ahead of Stuart on the, the all-time pod appearance list, is it? I, I have been celebrating that. Like That was a small win that I felt last night. So thank you very much. There you go. Congratulations. Um, Heather, I'll start with you then, um, and I'll start, as we always do, with the starting eleven. Uh, there was one change from the opening two games. Akinola came back in, Bannigan dropped out of the side, McMillan moved to right-back, and Turner moved into midfield. Uh, were you happy with that starting eleven? Is it what you expected? I think from listening to some of the updates throughout the week from the club, I did think that Akinola would be playing, and I saw that he scored in the behind-closed-doors game earlier in the week which gave me maybe some unsupported confidence about him being back. I just think he's a shadow of the player that he was. And I know people reference it a lot, but since those that since that red card, he really seems to have his confidence, his ability to get in front of players is really, um, yeah, it's, it's not what it was. But before the game, I was really excited to see that we had a back four and Kel Turner was going to get the chance to be further up the pitch. Um, on paper, I thought that looked like our a strong, you know, a stronger side than the one that 
was put out against Dundee, uh, unfortunately proved wrong by what we saw at three o'clock on Saturday. Reese, what about you? Uh, we also mentioned last week that Bannigan could be the, the unlucky one in midfield to drop out. Uh, were you surprised when you, you saw the starting team? I can't say I was surprised really. Um, I'm not surprised about Bannigan. I think we kind of all sort of agreed that Bannigan would probably be the one that was to drop out if we had the defender come back. With regards to, to Tunji, I've got no complaints with starting Akinola either. I mean, he'd come through the air bounce game unscathed and and I'd personally, I would have opted for him over Brownlee for yesterday's game, uh, purely for pace reasons, as, as Murray and Williamson, they're, they're both fast off the mark. And, and I'm worried that Brownlee's injury may have taken that yard of pace away from him. So pretty much I can't, I couldn't have had any complaints where I can only get in the nod. Jamie, what about you? Yeah, I wasn't too surprised either. Obviously, we were talking last week about, we thought Bannigan would be the one to drop out, and he was. And yeah, I can only come into the back line if Brownlee wasn't fully fit I thought it might have been him but maybe he wasn't really fit to make the start and wasn't too shocked to see Akinola in it I'll stick with you Jamie just to have a wee chat about the formation obviously with Bannigan dropping out Doherty was the the only real defensive minded midfielder in and with McMillan back at right back Milner at left back we really only had three defensive minded players in the pitch with Doherty and the two centre backs do you think that was that was costly yesterday do you think the start 11 was perhaps too gung-ho I'm not sure before kickoff. I probably wouldn't have said that, but looking back, we defended pretty poorly yesterday. I mean, I think it's been quite well documented on social media that you know we did look shaky at the back all day. I mean, Akinola just—I don't, I don't like singling out players or anything, but he just hasn't looked the same ever since that red card age. We've said it before, and it just doesn't seem to be getting back to his old self yet. And I don't think Holt had his best game. I thought he was kind of a bit out of sorts. Usually, he's so solid. I wouldn't say he was at his best. Uh, and maybe a Doherty as well. We were saying that in the chat. I don't think Doherty had his best game either. So when the three players, like you said, we only had three real defensive-minded players on, none of them have a fantastic game. And it's not really going to result in good things defensively. And I think that's what we saw because every single goal, in my opinion, was avoidable yesterday. That was all. It wasn't just those three players' fault by any means, but every single goal was avoidable. And I thought we were the real architects for our run downfall. Reese um, Daffy on Twitter and Jack Carson as well. Um, they've both suggested that the fullback's been pushed up too high. Well, that was Daffy's suggestion, and uh, Jack suggested that the lack of Bannigan and Docker in the midfield was was our downfall yesterday. Do you agree with that, or is there, there anything else you'd point the finger to? See, I, I don't, I don't really. I wasn't thinking too much that it was the fullbacks that were at fault yesterday. Um, what I would say, like as I said last week as well, I don't think Harry Milne was playing his natural game. Like the games that we've seen from him where we were like, wow, what a player he is. It's when he's just bombing forward and he's beating a man and he's putting in these uh, balls into the box. But I just felt like he didn't really get, get going yesterday in that respect. Um, once again, not saying that he was he was bad at all, but I uh, answering that question, I don't really, I don't think the fullbacks were, were what were causing us to become exposed. I just felt that we couldn't really get going in the middle. The general performance was was poor, to be honest. I didn't think there was a lot of football being played from either side. I don't think the new surface allows that at Stenny, especially on a scorching day. Um, and I think it will get very sticky, um, as Jamie's just touched on there as well. I, I thought Holt and Akrola, they looked shaky all day and they let the ball bounce umpteen times. And, and, and in fairness, Murray was having a field day. Um, we seem to make him look like a half-decent player every time we come up against him. I thought we had them under the cosh a wee bit when we were pushing for the equaliser, especially when Bannigan came onto the park. But I thought, I thought it was mind-boggling, to be honest, when we took off Aidan Fitzpatrick, who once again was the most, most creative player on the park, and to then stick Turner into that position. But you've you seen yourself in the chat, Reese Jenkins' uh, mate who plays for Queen's was saying they couldn't believe it when we went to two in the middle. It enabled them to be matches, and the boy in the middle for them, Malachi Boateng, I thought he absolutely strolled it. It was everywhere. Uh, the boy on loan for Crystal Palace, under 23's captain. Just covered every blade of Astro. He was, he was outstanding, and we couldn't get going at all. He, like as I say, he was everywhere, and I think that was largely down to his performance. He was breaking up every every time we tried to get creative on the ball. That being said, I think Queens were well worth their three points. We continue to miss guilt edge chances every week. Brian Graham, in particular, he seems to be missing a sitter every game at this point. And the one he had in the first half, it would have put us one 0 up. It's um, he's got to be scoring that. He's headed it right at the keeper, and. As, as we've touched on, it's three embarrassingly poor goals to concede from a de- defensive standpoint. And at the moment, we're absolutely crying out for Adam Muirhead. Yep. I'm going to come back on to the, the subs a bit later, Reese, because I think there's a, a deeper conversation to be had about that. Heather, what were your thoughts on the performance yesterday? 
I totally agree with what you just said there. And I just think that that boy they had in the middle is exactly what we're missing. I don't think that we missed having Doc and Banzo next to each other because I generally think they cancel each other out and they just pass sideways towards each other sometimes. And it's not, I don't actually think that wins us games. Um, but I do think that we are missing a pivotal player in the middle in midfield who will just go and win us the ball and break up play. I don't think we have that. And the one thing I did notice in um, about Kyle Turner's performance yesterday, I just felt that the set pieces that we did get, we didn't take advantage of them. We tried a lot of kind of funky low corners or just things. That, and then Ban, Banzo's corner right at the end, which went all for everyone. I just felt like other teams are taking advantage of how poorly we defend set plays. And surely we should be turning that round on on other teams. You know, if we can't defend corners, then surely other teams in the league can't defend corners. I just think we made it extremely easy for them yesterday. It was just quite a disappointing performance. And it makes me think more, I mean, the day in Dundee at Dens, that was, that was class. But was part of that them playing so poorly and than actually us playing well? I, also, I totally agree about Ian Fitzpatrick. And I thought Stevie Lawless was... Good. I just don't know if he's been played in the correct position. I just don't know if McCall knows the starting lineup and is just footing things around. And it's it's quite disappointing to be honest to have such great signings and on paper and not to be getting the results from it. I just think this the defending was sloppy. It's people were like half doing their jobs, getting to the right place, but then not you know clinically getting rid of it. A lot of balls in the air which we just can't defend definitely going to come back about the set pieces as well heather um we'll have a chat about the the substitutions and the sort of options mccall has i agree um i didn't really like fitzpatrick being taken off i definitely didn't like wallace being taken off and he's been the first to be to be hooked in the last two games and i think in the last the hamilton game and against queen's park in the first halves of both of those games he was our most creative player and also picking up central positions rather than sticking to the flank where you might think he'd line up in a 4-3-3. So, we I'll come back to you in the subs. What would you have done differently from, from Ian McCall? And I'm, I'm going to ask you all this, but I'll, I'll start with you, Reese. Do you think, we've spoken about the options he's got, do you think he's spoiled for choice and he just doesn't know how to fit all these players into to a starting 11 or a team in the second half when he makes changes in as effective a way as possible? Absolutely. Well, we're definitely spoiled for choice. Um, and I know like the whole sort of stuff for the, the rigmarole with the board and like they're not the most popular at the moment, but you can't say for one moment that Ian McCall's not been backed by the board in terms of transfers. The the bodies we've brought in this year, our squad's absolutely stacked, especially in forward positions. So at the same time, as we say, like he's struggling to pick his best team. And I, I completely agree with you, Matt. I thought in the first half, Lawless and McMillan were, were linking up really well and that's the side we're getting most most joy out of but for me I said when Lawless signed I don't I don't think Lawless is a winger anymore he'd never had blistering pace to begin with but he doesn't have it anymore at all really so he uses his upstairs is where he's his best he's two steps ahead of everyone else I'd try and put him in the middle and I know we're talking about going gung-ho but I'd like to see a striker whether that be Graham or not so a striker with Fitzpatrick on one wing Tiffany on the other and Lawless in behind. That's what I would like to go for when we're, we're going for a team. Um, I think Lawless is he's not wasted out wide, but I think his best position would be playing off the striker. Um, in terms of the subs, what I would have done differently yesterday, I do agree with bringing Ant, uh, Anton Dowds on, um, but I wouldn't have stuck Turner out, out on the right. I probably would have took Turner off and just went with Doc and Banzo in the middle. I know it's contradicting myself as well again, but the, the, we did have to get Dowds on the part we were chasing a goal, but I don't see why you take Fitzpatrick off. Like we, we took off, as you say, Loss and Fitzy, who are the two players that were creating everything for us. I don't know. It's, it's sometimes McCall's kind of classic for doing these these weird substitutions, and he's, it seems to just be throwing bodies on. I mean, we'll come on to it in a minute when we we'll talk about the strikers, but you've got Danny Mullins sitting there, who's he was top goal scorer for a Premiership club last year, and he's not even getting a sniff at the moment. So. I, we're spoiled for choice in terms of in terms of options, but does McCall know how to use these options? Remains to be seen. 
Jamie, what about you? What did you think of the subs yesterday? Pretty much just agree with what's been said so far. I thought they were quite strange. I thought, realistically, when Bannigan came on, I thought it'd be for Doherty, not McKinnon. Just kind of said earlier, I don't think Doc had his best game yesterday by any means. And taking off Fitzy, I thought was you know very energetic in the first half. He put in quite a few good balls, was the wrong decision. And bringing off Lawless later, I guess you could argue maybe Tiff needs to come on because uh, Law- oh, no, it wasn't for Tiff actually, was it? Uh, also Dows actually but anyway taking off Lawless was maybe not the best decision either but I thought the first two subs were very strange taking off Fitzy and McKinnon and later on near the end he hooks off Turner as well and we're left with none of the original creative players left in the park so we said this last season a couple of times I remember when McCall would take off a winger and then stick Stephen Hendry at left mid and stuff we, he's always kind of made these strange substitutions and I feel we're always talking about McCall's subs and yeah, just, it just always seems to be an area that confuses fans. Yeah, it was uh, it was McKinnon and Lawless that came off first. That was at one 0 uh, and then a little bit later, Fitzpatrick, um, Fitzpatrick came off, and then there was a double sub um, later on. Heather, you mentioned the set pieces earlier, and this has been something we've spoken about for all season now. We, it seems to be an almost weekly occurrence. There was two at Dundee, a couple against Montrose, uh, one in an early League Cup game as well. How do we fix this set piece issue? And it was it wasn't just a corner yesterday; it was from a quick free kick as well. What is what's the fix for this? Because as you say, we don't seem to be great at attacking them, and we are leaking a lot from defending them. Well, um, well, my day job is a primary teacher, and you might have heard when you were younger, practice makes perfect. But really, in my classroom, it's I say practice makes permanent. So because you might practice actually means that you permanently are doing it you know you're actually doing it wrong a lot um it's not always that it's going to be the perfect outcome but for me I think if we just like I mean obviously I'm not privy to what we're doing in training but surely we should be there should be a big practice of making sure people are in the right positions I don't know if you've watched the high oh, I'm sure you have watched the highlights back people seem to be in very strange positions and not being on the right side of players that they're marking um, and for me, that just seems like a really easy fix and something that made that someone on the pitch, whether it's Ross Doherty as captain or the goalkeeper defending, um, you know, as in charge of making sure that the defence are set up. For me, I think people need to understand what their role is and make us hard to beat. I mean, if I was a manager of any championship club, I wouldn't be telling my players to to shoot. I'd be telling my players to try and make one of our defenders or midfielders make a foul because, I mean, I think people will be playing for set pieces against us. You know, whack it off the person and get a corner because they can't defend them. Um, so for me, I think, I mean, obviously practice, but also a little bit of confidence. I generally think that I at the end of the game, when they got a corner... Everyone, I don't know, maybe it was the fans as well. They just seemed a little bit of um, of fear about it. Um, can I just go back quickly to the point before about the subs, though? Sure, I yeah. love it for us to be able to put on Tiff, as you say, with the other creative players. I feel like it seems to be every time we've used Tiffany this year, it seems to be in replacement of a creative player rather than with one. And I, I would like to see us play even for five, ten minutes with him alongside someone and then if it's not working then then take them off I just think because I mean teams are marking him a lot this year but surely if we had him and Fitzpatrick or and Lawless um that would then make it harder for defenders to know where to go I just think we're making it really easy for them okay now Fitzpatrick's off we just mark Tiffany but yeah no I agree Heather I think I think the thing that frustrated me with this, the subs yesterday was we we did take all the creative players that we started with off. So Lawless came off, Turner came off, McKinnon came off, and Fitzpatrick came off. And they're, they're the players that can make things happen in open play. And Tiffany was probably the only, what you'd say, creative player to come on. I think Weston seems to be all about pace and stretching teams. Dowd's all about sort of his physical presence and then they, I don't think they're going to create something out of nothing in the same way that Lawless can or McKinnon can. 
Bannigan and also surely we just said that Lawless maybe doesn't have his pace anymore. Would the combination of Lawless's brain with Weston's pace not be quite good? I don't know if those two have even played together yet this season. It seems to be that they're like a, you know, if he's on, he can't be. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just thought it was a, a strange team we ended with on the pitch when we were chasing it. I didn't really know what what the plan was for the last 10, 15 minutes because it was the Doc Banzo midfield that you thought maybe we could, well, we usually start with, but when you're 3-1 down, is that the midfield two you want? There was a, a front two of, of Graham and, and Dowds, but there was only really uh, Tiffany out there to, to supply crosses for them, so I just thought it was a, a strange team we, we ended with really yesterday. Um, going back to the set pieces, yeah, the, the first free kick, obviously from a Queen's Park point of view, that was a really well-worked free kick, but you watch it back and from Behind the goal where we were situated, you could see that coming a mile off. Watching the highlights back, Akinola's doesn't seem quite ready for it. Um, I think Fitzpatrick loses a runner as well, and then the corner, the, the third goal, it's just a just a mess, isn't it? Nobody really takes responsibility for that. Jamie, you get any ideas how to how to stop these set piece goals? I don't have the answer how to stop them, but yeah, it's just so frustrating to watch these set pieces because. We mentioned that on a previous podcast, but they're all coming from the same side as well, corner-wise. I think every corner we've conceded has come from the same side. So if you're behind the goal, it's coming from like our right, or if you're looking on left. And yeah, the set piece in the first half, and we said in the chat as well, you could just you could see that coming as well. That one-two that led to the goal, and yeah, it's just it's very frustrating to watch. And we don't want this to become a regular thing again because if you think back to the 1920 season, I remember. We conceded a ridiculous amount of corners. We always talk about Scott Fox never coming off his line. And I remember after we lost to Ray from the Challenge Cup, John McGlynn coming out saying, oh, we targeted them from corners because you knew we knew they were weak at it. And we, we don't want that becoming a, a regular thing again this season. It's just a terrible way to be losing goals. A very frustrating and avoidable way to be conceding. I think it's probably already become a way that, that we've been targeted, to be honest. Um Reese, do you have any suggestions about set pieces? Um, if not, I'm going to ask you about Brian Graham and his form. Anything on the set pieces? It's just, it's basic football, isn't it? Like every defender knows how to defend a corner. It just seems like we don't at Partick Thistle. Um, the only thing I would think, get get someone like Brownlee on or, or even like a Muirhead back, like you'd think hopefully it can be a wee bit better. Um, moving on to Brian Graham's form, I, I think that Brian Graham probably needs a, a spell on the sidelines at the moment I mean we have options in abundance right now as I just mentioned Danny Mullen was top scorer for Dundee last year in the Premiership got offered a new contract he was sort of their key man when it came to getting goals and he's not been given a chance for us yet uh, we mentioned Tony West and he, he looks nippy every time he gets in the park and he's stretching teams and you've got Dowds who I thought was very good off the bench yesterday so and it, it looks like he could be the long-term Graham replacement and he looks like a lot more low, uh, a lot more mobile, and he'll put himself about. That's for sure. So I'm glad he was able to get off the mark in competitive action. And for me, I'm starting Dowds against Inverness on Friday night. Just switch up a wee bit and let him get at teams. And and Graham, as as we all know, Graham's always good for a goal, but he's just missing these sitters every week at the moment. And and you can't keep can't keep going on like that. So I think he's got to maybe come out the team on Friday night and go with something else. And Maybe, maybe even look at bringing Danny, Danny Mullen into the, into the fray. So we've got other 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 options. So it's time to give one of them a go. Yeah, I quite like the option of Dowds just because we've got a sort of an abundance of wingers and overlapping fullbacks who are getting plenty of crosses in. I think Graham had a couple of, couple of headers yesterday. One he definitely should have done better with. I think Turner had a header too. Dowds would seem like the obvious replacement if, if that's the game plan. And we are getting quite a bit of joy and open play down the wings, so I think yeah, I would agree. Dowd's maybe a start on Saturday, on Friday night even. We'll come on to Friday night's game in a little bit. I just want to touch on on Akinola. I know we've we've all sort of referenced the the red card against Airdrie at different points. Heather, do you think there's a way back for Akinola to the to the form of twenty twenty one? I don't know if potentially and obviously this maybe wouldn't happen because if Muirhead was fit then we'd be hoping to play I guess our strongest pairing would be Muirhead Holt um, but I don't know if him playing with someone else someone with that confidence and just 
ability to command like that's something I always respected about Iron Muirhead was that he really did command a box and I think we've really really missed that I think that could be one of the other solutions to our set pieces getting better because he would shout at players and I don't know if Akinola just needs a little bit of tough love um but for me personally I don't know if now he's almost got too much in his head and it's maybe not going to happen for him here and he maybe just needs a fresh start because the fresh start he obviously had with us last season was fantastic and I'm sure people on Twitter were saying we had the best um, you know the best centre back in the league and the people weren't wrong there because he did have a really good spell but I don't know now if he's just too much in his head I didn't really agree with I think there were some people on Twitter and stuff saying that his body language wasn't good and it looked like he didn't want to be there I think it's just a pure lack of confidence I think there's no question that he doesn't you know like the club and thank Ian McCall etc for the trust in him I just think potentially his time has run out here which makes me sad because I think he's a really nice person <laughs> I, I totally agree with your, your comment about the body language I think it just probably looks like that just because he has so low in confidence I don't think you can question his his attitude or anything like that it it, it might be a similar situation to the the Niall Keown situation because remember Niall Keown was so good when he was playing next to Liam Lindsay and then the next season when he seemed to swap with uh, Divine uh, Barton other guys at the back, he just sort of fell off a cliff. I wonder if Akinola's maybe suffering from that. He's not really had a consistent partner. I think when he was coming in and out of the team at the end of last season, he never really had a consistent partner. Playing through the bad form didn't seem to help him. Taking him out of the, the team in a pre-season hasn't seemed to help him. So I'm not really sure what the, the future is going to hold for Akinola. Reese, do you want to come in? Yeah, so uh, that's, that's pretty much what I was going to say. Like the whole Akinola thing, it, it kills me because like you struggle to see how it all unfolded. And as we all mentioned, you can actually pinpoint the exact moment it switched for him, the the Airdrie at home in the Scottish Cup when he got the harsh red card, and his confidence has just seemed shot to bits ever since. And and as you've just mentioned, that's that's what I was going to touch on. Like, I don't necessarily think it is the case, but it does re- resemble Niall Keane's situation with Liam Lindsay, um, and how he just fell off a cliff after that. And after that great start to life at Furhill, and and maybe, just maybe, I was thinking that Lewis Mayo might have been Akinola's Liam Lindsay, because there was a period where they were playing every game together, and I thought they were brilliant with each other, Like, and we kept saying how good this defensive partnership was, and they were so young, and, and as Heather just touched on there, it was it was even the club's official Twitter that came out and said, like, the best defender in the championship pens an extension, and thinking back to that, it's, it's crazy, because he was that good, and I absolutely loved Akinola as well, so I refuse to write him off completely because we've seen firsthand the levels that he can reach and just what he's were touching on. Like everything does look off at the minute, and I've seen the the body language comments too. And I do I agree with what they're saying about the body language, and I don't think that he doesn't want to be here. I think Akinola is a, a really humble guy, he seems like a top professional, but his head was he was just constantly looking at the ground. He was shaking his head, and it almost looked for the, it was it was desperate for the game to be over with. And it's it's a sad state of affairs, really. I'd love it if he could bounce back, but. In reality, you're witnessing a player who's been in a rut for seven months now. So I think I'd personally be opting for Brownlee on Friday night. We'll talk about the, the Inverness game on Friday night. It's a big game, a repeat of, of last season's playoff quarterfinal. It's it's third versus fourth from last season. So I think most people expect the two teams to be up at the, the top end of the league next season. Or this season, rather. Jamie, we've spoken about Brian Graham, we've spoken about Akinola and the centre-back situation. What sort of team do you think Ian McCall will pick? And a, a very separate question, what sort of team do you hope he picks? I think we'll probably keep the same shape. Seem to have liked that shape this season with the three-man midfield and the two-wingers and the one-striker. Well, I don't know if McCall will drop Graham because obviously he rates him very highly and we know why, but right now I feel that Dowd's coming in could be the right option. I'd like to see Dowd get a start, and uh, I'd like to see Brownley come in for Akinola. And I think that if Brownley is fit to start, then McCall probably will bring him in for Akinola. You can see that one happening. And uh, the other big position, I think, would be Mitchell or Snedden. Those are going to be, and I wouldn't mind seeing Snedden get some game time. It's not like I think Mitchell's been terrible or anything. I know obviously there's the huge howler um, against Hamilton, but aside from that, I'd 
don't think he's been, you know, I don't think he's been terrible or anything, but I could see Sneddon maybe getting a start now. But it, I don't know, I feel the goalkeeping position is so hard to call because, as we always say, McCall doesn't seem to rate Sneddon. So you may, may see Mitchell keep his place, but I think Dowd's in for Graham and Brownlee and Fracknell are the two big changes I'd make. Heather, as I mentioned, this is your your first appearance on this season's pod, so keen to get a fresh take on, on the goalkeeping position, which we seem to touch on every week, and we've done well to get about half an hour in without mentioning it this week. I also th- enjoy every time that you guys mention goalkeepers, since it's um, the reason that I won the quiz um, oh, last time I was on was my trust in the goalkeepers of the championship winning season. Anyway, um, I was really surprised to see that Jamie Sneddon wasn't trusted with the with the gloves at the start of this season after what he proved last season. I'm not 100% on my facts, but I'm pretty sure, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that he did win Player of the Month at least twice last season. He did, and I think he won Player of the Year as well. The, oh, did he? Oh, there we go. Yeah. So, so then I think... I I thought that he would have been um I thought he would have got it from I watched a few of the of the games um like the cup games where both of them got the opportunity I didn't really see anything that would have made me think that um that Mitchell was so much better than Sneddon um and so I really was I was expecting I think now that we've had three three games I think it's only fair for Sneddon to get a shot now not that I not that I think that um he was in any it was n- none of the goals on Saturday were purely the goalie's fault. A lot of it was our own errors further up the pitch or in the defending area. But I do think that Sneddon has been dropped for less. And I think that McCall, if there is some sort of, you know, reason why he's not rating Sneddon or some sort of personal thing, he needs to get over that. Um, he's finally got over not playing Cammy Smith. Um, I don't know if that's because Cammy Smith is injured or not, but um, I do think that it's. I I would like to see Sneddon Sneddon in there. Um, I think it's. I think it's only fair. I agree, um, Heather, and I think it is an unfortunate position Mitchell was in because I think if the club had sold Sneddon and Mitchell had come in as the undisputed number one. There probably wouldn't be as much scrutiny on him and he'd get more time. But the fact that Sneddon, after the season he had last season, is sitting on the bench, there's going to be more scrutiny on him. And yeah, I don't think he was at fault for any of the goals on Saturday, but I thought the second goal, he didn't get his angles right with the block. And from the angle I was at behind the goal, Robson did have half the half the goal to aim at. And the third goal, again, not Mitchell's fault, but it's a goal from a corner, which is becoming a theme of, as we've talked about, set pieces and I think Sneddon does have a better command of his box than than Mitchell so that could be a fix for the set pieces um, but yeah I agree I would be putting Sneddon back in on Friday night. Going back to potentially the Akinola things as well I mean obviously we have said I think was it recent you said about Akinola being in a rut for seven months but maybe even a change of goalkeeper for him he's maybe not confident and um, I, I do think it's I actually I forgot about the the angle for the second goal because I I didn't see it as I was playing hide and seek at the time. So um yeah, I would agree that the block wasn't wasn't in the right place. I also agree about the fact that you said that Sneddon if Sneddon had moved on, like I think that is the next goalkeeper not quite a young guy so there wouldn't have been that pressure, but I would say and I know it's already been discussed on social media that um, chanting about Jamie Sneddon during a game isn't helpful, and I, I didn't agree. think that that was. Uh, I, I got it got shushed pretty quickly or kind of died down, but I did think that was a little bit unfair. No, I totally agree. Um, Reese, what about you? Team selection in general, I think goalkeeper, centre back. Well, I was going to say goalkeeper, centre back, and striker, but there's probably decisions to be made in midfield as well. So all over the pitch, how do you see the team lining up on Friday? You never really want to make completely wholesale changes and rip the team apart, but I've got to agree with you because I don't think I don't think Mitchell's been bad at all. But we are conceding goals at a alarming rate, um, and as I say, I don't necessarily think they're Mitchell's fault. They are a lot of them are coming from set pieces, which is Sneddon going to be able to change that with the defence in front of him? I don't know. But you look back to last season, 
Sneddon had something like 20 plus clean sheets all in so stick him back in and see what he can do like he's got nothing to lose I know it might fuck sorry it might then Mitchell's confidence a wee bit now but just go for it he's got nothing to lose um, in terms of defence but in fact, sorry before we move on to defence I just want to touch on what Heather was saying there as well I thought the the chance for just there was no need for those chances yesterday he took a goal kick and it landed at Tiffany's feet it looked like it was going out for a shy but Tiffany kept it in and that's when that chant started. And I was like, what good does that do for a, a player who's standing 10 yards in front of you in a position where only one guy gets to start and he's the one that's been given a nod? I, I, it's just, I don't understand what goes through your head to start singing that. Um, but moving on, as for the midfield, I do really like Cole McKinnon. But I've said yes, yesterday was probably his poorest performance for us yet. And Bannigan did look good when he came on. So yeah, back to the old debate, who gets the nod? I don't know. I don't want to make a comment on that because I'd be happy with whoever, whoever gets it. If it's Turner, McKinnon, I, I don't, Doc or Banzo, I don't really know who's going to miss out, but I'd be happy with whoever McCall chooses. They're all they're all good players. In terms of the forward options, I didn't think Tiffany was great once again. I thought that uh, the ball seemed to be breaking down every time it got to him at the weekend, which isn't like him, but I think he'd probably benefit from a start now if he's fully fit. So I'd, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, I'd like to see maybe... I don't know, I don't know. I'd maybe like to see Tiffany and Fitzpatrick, and if Lawless is going to play, I'd like to see him in behind the striker, and as I mentioned earlier, I want to see Dowds get a run out on Friday night, so that would be be my change to the team. I know it's a wee bit of tinkering there to be done, but aye, we'll wait and see what McCall does. I want to ask you about the, the centre-back position, Reese, because you mentioned earlier about the, the Queen's Park game, and you were happy with Akinola starting because of, of Queen's Park's Pacey front two. Inverness, I think, are likely to line up with a similarly Pacey front two with Samuels and Mackay. Is that something that would concern you if Brownlee comes in, or would you would you stick with Akinola and hope that the form turns around? See, I, I said earlier that I'd start Brownlee, uh, and I'd completely forgot about Austin Samuels, but I got, I'm going to stick with Brownlee again. I, I don't really want him to be going to free at the back at a stage of season, especially at home against Inverness, so I just go with Brownlee and hope, and just hope that we can be a lot more commanding, and it doesn't come a, a foot, it doesn't become a foot race. Um, and if that was to appear, then you'd maybe be playing with McMillan and Milne, maybe a wee bit more tucked, maybe a wee bit more defensive. I, I don't know, but I, I'd probably sit Akinola out for this one. He, I was about to say deserves a rest, but he's, he's only been back for one or two games, one game, so I maybe just sit him this one out. Yeah, I don't think Holt's especially slow. I don't think he's quick either. But um, if Brownlee's playing on the right-hand side of defence, um, I think McMillan could tuck in. Like McMillan's got experience of playing centre-back as well, so that that could definitely be an option if Brownlee gets the nod. Um, Jamie, I'll come to you. Uh, just a quick one on your team selection and a, a score prediction for, for Friday night's game. Probably with like Snedden and goals, to be honest, at this point. Uh, one change to the back four would be Brownlee and Frackenola. Midfield three, I'd probably go... It's not going to happen, but I'd probably go Bannigan, Turner and McKinnon. But it'll probably be Doc, McKinnon and Turner. I can see that starting. And uh, i keep Fitzy and Lawless on the wings and I'd put Dowds up front for Graham. Uh, score prediction, I still don't fancy to keep a clean sheet, so I'm going to say 2-1 Fistle. Well... David Forrest, who could not make it on to the podcast this week, has also gone for 2-1 Thistle. Um, none of us scored last week all predicting Thistle win, so I'm still ahead on eight points, and David Reese and Jamie, you're on seven. Um, Heather, sadly, not in the, in the league table this year, unless you've been playing along at home, but a prediction for fun for, for Friday's game? I think seeing that they managed to score four goals on Saturday and all at different parts of the game, you know, like it wasn't like our spell at Dens where we scored three, you know, quite early and then hung on. You know, they they scored in the sixth minute and in the 93rd minute. That sounds very, I mean, that that sounds brilliant. Um, So I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a a, a goal scoring draw. I'm going to go with a 2-2. Fair enough. Reese. So I was saying last week that I do think Inverness will probably challenge us in Dundee uh, pretty closely um, without them actually starting well because they, they came off the back of two draws. But 
as Heather just said, they looked pretty, well, I've not seen the highlights or anything yet, but it was a pretty convincing scoreline against Cove. Now, I don't, I don't necessarily think Cove are a, a great team at championship level, but a 4-1 win's a 4-1 win, and it's, it's not the best time to be playing them off the back of that, but that being said, I'm going to go Partick Thistle 1 and Vernes 1. Very undraw as a draw of me, but I'm going to go with a draw. Oh, I think we had the same score last week, Reese. We're going to have the same score again. I'm going to go. I'm going to go one-one. I think this is the first time it's not been a, a clean sweep of victories in the predictions. But yeah, I think Inverness will be will be there or thereabouts in terms of the promotion picture this year. Hopefully with us. Um, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a good game, but uh, I still think we're a wee bit shaky at the back and, and not quite ready for that first league clean sheet. So I'll, I'll go one-one as well. We're on TV, aren't we? Do we have a good record on um, on the BBC Scotland channel? Obviously, we had the 6-1 against Hamilton, but that was a fluke. Yeah, we definitely went that mad run of about 26 games where we didn't win, but I think that would get put to bed. We won a couple last season because we won at Hamilton and we won down at Queen of the South. We had Vanessa as well at home. So we did in Vanessa at home, yep. But the, we also the, the playoffs were televised, weren't they? Even this season, <laughs> it's always that four-one Dunfermline game that was televised. Oh great! You can count uh, Kelly in the cup as a win on pens. There you go. There you go. Mixed, mixed. Um, Heather Stewart, uh, Callison joined us last week to talk about the the latest goings on with fan ownership and obviously with the the news that broke last week. It was a bit of a the, the tone wasn't as as positive as. It perhaps should be with fan ownership, but it was understandable given the the situation. Do you want to just give us a bit about where the Jags Foundation are now, a week on from that news, and the sort of plans for the future, why folks should join up, things like that? Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for having me on. So I think firstly to highlight that, I think whenever you get sort of setback or um, something doesn't quite go your way, I think initially your reaction is to be slightly down and um and we've rallied together and it's actually been fantastic to see the membership increase since Monday as someone who was in the room I was in the negotiations team that was such a a heart lifting thing and I really want to thank um you know for listeners who are Jazz Foundation um members if you've been a member with us for since pre me being on the board or if you've recently become one it's such a boost and it's fantastic I think currently we are on 737 members which is fantastic um so yeah so since since then I think it's been we're really you know there's a lot of positive work that's been going on with the Jazz Foundation and we don't want to let that go to waste you know we've got it's one of the biggest um Thistle fan member organizations in living memory um, and I think that's something that we can really um, be proud of and it's good to be part of and there's a great um, variety of people who are involved um, I don't know if you've seen about the thistle pins I have met a few people um, handing out their the McParland pin which is a really really successful thing and something that we are continuing to do the the August drop is coming and I would say for people to be vigilant with checking their emails as there will be an email and there's only a certain number this time so if you would like your pin that is something to be um looking out for I think we dropped a spoiler I think it's very obvious who it is I think we said a prolific goal scorer who um has done a lot for Thistle on and off the pitch and a model professional Jamie I know you love quizzes have you got any guess who it could be Just realised I was talking on mute there. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to. Is it is it out or should we not say? Is this getting cut? Well, I'll just not. I'll just not respond. I'll say, oh, maybe. <laughs> this could Mag- be a draw loser, draw exclusive. <laughs> Mitch Austin. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's we, got we, the match. We, we, we did talk about doing a kind of um a a kind of the fan favourite ones like the ban- like a banter years collection and I think that would be quite good one to discuss on uh, Drawlers would Draw another point who would get in your you know Thistle banter years pin um, drop 
but yeah so we've got that coming which is great and we've also we've the September one is also in production and um, that's uh I don't think we've actually dropped anything about that but it is someone who is extremely important um, in the club's history and a very you know a really emotional one I think some people will really really find that one special so I'm looking forward to about that also in the recent weeks we've um just released our one pound membership initiative which I think is really important to highlight we obviously from discussions with fans at games and on social media and diff and, and emails and things we noticed that a lot of people have said that they wanted to be supportive of the Jags Foundation but were with the cost of living at the moment, we're really struggling to do that. So we introduced the one pound membership so that people do feel involved and included while also not being out of pocket or in any sort of financial um, trouble due to being a Jazz Foundation member. We really believe that fan ownership should be for all fans who want to take part and not just a kind of well-off elite or ones who can um, give you know, a certain amount of money. We really want it to include everyone, you know, nomads, people who can't get to games and, um, but also, you know, your regulars as well. We're also, obviously we know that the, um, that the three black cats have come out and made their statement and we're interested to see what is going to come with that next. We're fair people. We are honest people as um, hopefully our members have seen and we're, um, we're ready to listen and we're ready to see um, we're not going to jump the gun and and say things that immediately go against something just because it's not not as immediately I think that we are we've got listening years we're ready to to talk and still feeling positive in the fact that we've got these new members it's actually been a really lovely thing I think personally to get to know a lot more fans at the games and um, as the only female board member, I'm quite recognisable, but it has been a good way to enter into conversations. And um, there is a lot of positive things. We had the barbecue, which was great. So as much as last week maybe was, you know, a, a, tri a tricky time for us, I think that there is a lot of positives to be looking at. Just one more follow-up question I had. Of uh, course. I'm, sure there'll be, I'm sure there'll be folk listening who are sort of, I've been considering joining the Jags Foundation, maybe thinking or oh, I'll join when the shares are passed to the Jags Foundation or I'll join at a later date. What would you say to those people who are sort of maybe in two minds about it and are maybe waiting to see what the future holds? I think everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And I think that, you know, we are waiting to see what the next step is and that from that we will be releasing some conversation and content with our membership not saying this is how you should feel but just with our response to that and um i think people should be willing to have conversations don't and um, if you've got reservations if you've got questions then to reach out and ask don't sit on a question and make that something that you don't make that an excuse for not joining. Try and find an answer to that question. I also think that um, there's a lot of positivity around the foundation right now, and it's a really good place to be part of. There's, you know, a great working together team, and I think it's um, it's not the end of the foundation. I think there was some people maybe suggesting that it was, and I would really like to disregard that it it really isn't and and um, we're here we're ready to listen we're ready to um to help fans to be there and um and you know don't give up don't give up on this how long does it take before you can reflect on a banter's year years period does one good season or one and a half good seasons is that enough time um, to look back and say that the banter years was maybe like 2017 to 2020 or could we still be in the banter years? Is that for me? That's just for anyone. <laughs> um, oh gosh I know because I, I remember maybe when I was at uni a few years ago there was a banter years for Dundee United and, and obviously now you would definitely say that they are well actually 
that 7-0 loss in Europe, maybe they aren't quite out it yet. I think that, unfor- I actually would say that banter years maybe works of every other team, but Partick Thistle is a separate breed. We are, you know, we never do anything easy. Remember that Archie period where we couldn't get more than three wins in a row, or was it even two wins? And it was, and then there was a season where we only won, you know, it took us till February or March against Aberdeen to win at home. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's just when when you decide to be or when you're brought up as a Thistle fan, you are just signing up to be in the banter years for however long your life is. That's pretty, that's actually quite true because we're sort of like perennial banter years because like even when you think back to our best years as such, even when we came top six, I think we only scored like 38 goals in 38 games or something like that. And you, like you think back to how many points we dropped in like the last minutes, like conceding two goals in injury time against Rangers and stuff. Like the banter years doesn't really ever go away, does it? No, perennial banter year is definitely the name of this week's episode. That's fantastic. Uh, but we will definitely do a, a banter years pod at, at some point. Pro- I would imagine focusing on about 2017 to, to 20, but it could definitely be an expanded universe. Um, we'll finish, as we always do, with Partridge Thistle. And I'm going to ask you all, if a movie was made about Partick Thistle, and this is, again, maybe tapping into to the banter years, and what plot would you pick and who would star? Heather, you can go first on that one. I thought of potentially a kind of documentary on Abdul Osman trying to become a fashion icon with, and it like being titled It's Not Easy. And like having a kind of, you know, uh, compare the the brand of his fashion with his, the, the kind of deterioration of his football. So that was that was my that was my thoughts. But I also during lockdown, I for the first time ever watched a shot of glory with Ali McCoist in it. Oh yes, yes. And, and Ian McCall. Yeah, uh-huh. and I was like, well, I mean, we've got Ian, but you know, we've got Ian in our mid, so surely there's some sequel there. But I don't, I, I couldn't quite picture what era of Thistle could fit that, or um, what prolific striker could come in and play for us and and take us to the to the cup. Um, but yeah, so either a kind of a, a an it's not easy documentary or a shot of glory, maybe. Um, well, actually, my well, my sister just got married and her American family were over and I took them to a Thistle game, one of the cup games. Um, and um, they had just watched Ted Lasso and they had they saw a really big comparison between one of the characters there and Brian Graham. <laughs> they actually, well, what they really think that Brian Graham has been the inspiration for one of the main characters there. So maybe there's something. But yeah, that's my that's my input. I have to ask you, who would you get to play Abdul Osman? Oh, gosh. What about the guy who's just gotten Doctor Who? Uh, I only know that him as Eric work. from Sex Education. Yep, yep Shooty Gatwa. Yeah, that, that could work. I can see that. Because he's got that fashion and yep. background. Yeah, that's my that's my take. Yep, that could work. Um, Jamie, what about you? I don't know if you've ever seen the jokes that Maratta is just a money laundering scheme, his transfers. So I'm going to say that it's a line of duty style thing to crack Thistle for a money laundering operation because all these pointless signings we made over the years, you know, we're talking about the Bantier signings like Mitch Austin, Jason Banton, Antonio German. It's all salt to feed organised crime. So it's all part of an OCG. And got to have Martin Compson's got to be starring in it. We're going to be remaking line of duty. So there we go. Reese, what about you? Um, I'm just going to go for uh, Danny DeVito as Ian McCall, and it's going to be a, a, com- a comeback story for the history books. Like, <laughs> all the trials and tribulations, the highs and lows of his first belt, uh, of his first belt for Hill, uh, culminating in promotion to the Premiership and ultimately ending the banter years once and for all. But maybe that's slightly fictitious and a wee bit too far-fetched, but hey, we'll wait and see. <laughs> I'm going to go for the, the summer of... 2018, the, the deadline day where we signed uh, Tam Scobie, I think Jai Katongo, and maybe maybe one other, maybe it was Dan Jeffries, can't quite remember. Anyway, the day 
that Jerry Britton famously um, released the That's All Folks video. And I think I would have um, Matt Damon to play Jerry Britton in a, in a summer 2018 transfer deadline day movie. I think that would go down a storm at the box office. I'd watch all of these. <laughs> well, maybe we'll set up a Patreon to sort of raise millions of pounds to make them sometime in the future. Um, Do you know how could, the Amazon Prime All or Nothing documentaries, how good would it be if Fissel done one? <laughs> I would I would actually pay hundreds to see that. Have you I'll watched the most recent for. one where um, Arteta likens it to a great night and talks about meeting his wife? Yeah, I've not I've not watched the newest episode, but I oh sorry, honestly, I've, <laughs> it's not, maybe that's it's a spoiler. But he like uh, like it's he basically is like oh a really great night I had was when I met my wife in a nightclub and then talks about that and then tries to liken that to how the boys should play against Liverpool and they lose two 0 and I just found that really I've, I and when you said that about this I just really like to see what Ian McCall's what what his team talk would be for that sort of scenario I would love to see an Ian McCall team talk I wish Jack Storer was still here for our all or nothing series that would be good That's who would you get to play Jack Storer or who would you get to play his dad yeah uh, Steve, Steve McFadden to play Phil Mitchell <laughs> you'll love him yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's just my go-to answer. For, yeah, yeah, I want to be a hard man actor. <laughs> right, we'll leave it there for this week on the thought of Phil Mitchell uh, morphing into Jack Strother's dad. But as always, thank you very much for joining us. We will be back on Saturday with a very special episode to mark our 100th episode of Draw Loser Draw. In the meantime, stay safe and buy a season ticket.